0: Praise the Lord. We're going to turn to God's word tonight. The crash and that can go. Uh, it's just a crash, I believe. Amen. And, and uh, we're going to turn to God's word. Praise God. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, then it's just over into James. Uh, James uh, chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 13. That's James chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 13 uh, to the end. Of the chapter. So when you get to James chapter 5, verse 13, if you would stand with me tonight for the reading of God's word, we'll honor God's word together as we turn to his precious word tonight. Amen. Once everybody's there, if you stand, then we're ready for the reading of God's word tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's all read it together from verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Father, tonight we just pray, God, we know, we long and sense that you desire to do a work even in this house tonight, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray that you would increase our faith. Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, just make us sensitive to the Spirit of God Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd quicken our mortal being and give us ears and eyes and hearts that are open, Lord, and a faith to believe, Lord, that you're going to do a mighty work in this house tonight, Lord. Oh, Father, we know you're dealing. We know you're drawing. Lord, we know, Lord, you're doing a work in this hour. And, oh, God, Lord, make us willing, oh, God. Lord, make us willing tonight, Lord, to lay all on the altar for thee, Lord, would you come tonight Would the fire of God fall in this wee room tonight, Lord, though we be few in number. Lord, I pray that the fire and the power of God would come down in this house tonight, Lord. Touch lives, Lord. Oh, God, do an eternal work in this house. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats uh, together. In some ways, I I know I'm just carrying on uh, from this morning. And uh, just in these few verses here, we pick up on Elijah, and and I'm going to speak on the spirit of prophecy. uh, Feed the spirit of Jezebel, and I I just want to say something because all of you that stood this morning, and whether I know some didn't stand, it wasn't that you needed to. Your your heart is in it, but I I know that what we are experiencing uh, at this time, where we are, and in in and the whole purposes of God, that there is a very potent, real uh, spirit of opposition against the Church of Jesus Christ. You will sense that. You will feel not Anyone that's walking with the Lord, it's not that I'm claiming to be any great spiritual individual. I just, if you're walking with the Lord, if you have a knowledge, if you see, if you understand, if you're discerning, then you know and experience that there is a very potent a spirit against God's people and against the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That does not mean we will not have opposition. We will That does not mean that we will not be hated for Christ's sake. We will. That does not mean that there's not a cost. There is. That does not mean that that we're not going to enter into a warfare with spiritual wickedness in high places. We will. But thanks be to God that gives us the victory. We have a victory in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. God is no doubt And I want to just carry on from this morning for those that stood and those that stood in heart to believe God. I want to carry on and just encourage all of that as much as possible. God hasn't finished uh, with what he wants to do today. He he sees the heart. He sees the humility. He sees the desire. He sees the longing. He sees the stand. He sees uh, that, that what you need is a touch of God and God wants to touch us tonight. He wants to touch our lives. He wants to touch all our lives in this room. He wants to come by his power to touch our lives. And we see here with Elijah that the secret of his his authority and his boldness in God was his prayer life. That was the secret. That is the secret of God's work. It is a people of prayer. We read here that In verse 16, we are told to confess our faults one to another. Pray, pray one for another that you would be healed. And then it says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. It reveals much. The effectual, fervent prayer. There was a fervency, an effectual prayer in the life of Elijah because it tells us here in verse 17 that he was a man of like passions as we are. He he was made of the same stuff. He, he was similar in every way of what we are. But there was a prayer life that he had. I believe it was the mantle, it was the Holy Ghost, it was the anointing of God that was upon Elijah. It was the anointing that Elisha was looking for that he's seen in his ministry and in his life. But it was an anointing that was upon him that when he prayed earnestly, that, that word earnestly means with, in, with an intent and with a conviction. There was an intention in his prayer. It, it wasn't just a broad sweep. Lord, just bless everyone here. Let us have a good time. Amen. And I'll go home. But there there was an intensity and an intent in his prayer when he prayed. He was focused. He was fixed. And he prayed. And it was effectual. And it was fervent. And that prayer of that righteous man when he prayed that it would not rain. Listen, it did not rain. But he's a man just like you and I. It was the power of God. It was the Holy Ghost. It was the anointing. It was the authority of God that was upon this man Elijah that he, that he was equipped for the hour with the spirit of prophecy to stand before kings, to stand before the most wicked individual, one of the most wicked individuals in scriptures with a Holy Ghost boldness. And there's a boldness that needs to come on the church today because of what the church of Jesus Christ is facing, the spirit that it is up against. There is something that we are against, and there is a real potent spirit that wants to quench and to stop what God has begun. Even this morning, for some, it's the first time, it's a fresh start. It's a, it's a fresh dedication, as it were, it's a fresh sanctification. And you're looking into this path and God's saying, you need the power of the Holy Ghost. You need a prayer life. You need an anointing. You need an authority. You need to be filled with the power of God. You need my touch. You cannot do it on your own. We need to pray. And the devil hates a prayer house. He hates a praying people. He hates a praying man. He hates a praying woman. He hates a praying young person that gets on their knees and begins to believe God for that which is impossible. The Bible tells us clearly if you turn over to the prophecy, if you would, in Joel chapter two concerning the the last days. Now you remember, we were looking at the spirit of Elijah, and we were looking at the before the great and dreadful day of the Lord that Elijah would come. That is not a physical manifestation of Elijah. That is the spirit, the Holy Ghost coming upon the people of God in these last days. The prophecy says in Joel chapter two and verse. Verse 28, and again, we're familiar with this, but oh, I pray that this this prophecy would not just be something that we read tonight, but it would be a reality amongst us. It would be a reality of an outpouring of God in this room before this service ends tonight that the power of God would be poured out in this place and all our sons and daughters, I'm a son, you're a son, you're a daughter, no matter what age you are, you're still a son or a daughter, but that God would pour out his Spirit upon us all. We, we would all receive a touch of God by the power of the Holy Ghost tonight. And this is the prophecy of God. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Old men are going to dream dreams and young men are going to see visions. I want you to hear me tonight. When God pours out his Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us here what happens. Young men, sons and daughters begin to prophesy, begin to proclaim, begin to foretell and foretell the word of the Lord under the unction of the Holy Spirit. God comes down, the mantle of the Holy Ghost comes upon a people, an individual, corporately, and sons and daughters begin to prophesy and speak the wondrous works of God and glorify God. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. What happens at that time when the Spirit of the Lord falls upon a people in a room like this tonight, a, a bunch, I hope you're not offended, but a bunch of nobodies really, but we've been saved by the grace of God washed in the blood of Jesus, born of the Spirit of God. But when the Holy Ghost comes down, men and women begin to prophesy. The Bible tells us here that old man began to dream the dreams of God. Men begin to dream, old men, that seem as though it's all gone and it's all wrapped up and it's all finished. But then as the as the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon them, they begin to dream. Young men, like young Isaac and, and Benjamin and Joshua and others in this room, and young women, they begin to they begin to get visions. God gives them a vision. He gives them vision for a lost world. He gives them vision for, for foreign nations, for countries. Visions are imparted into their hearts. They begin to see the need of God. They begin to see the passion of God. They begin to see the compassion of God. And they begin to see not with the natural eyes, but they see what God wants them to see. And they begin to run with that vision. For without a vision, the people... People are going to perish. How we need the power of God to fall. Listen. Is that the meeting that you want tonight? Is it an hour to push in because we're tired? We're thinking of working another week. But it is a meeting where the power of the Holy Ghost falls upon us. And every person in this room receives the Holy Ghost in a fresh and in a new way. And we begin to glorify God. And we begin to proclaim the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And old men begin to dream the dreams of God. And young men, get the God gets a hold of your hearts and begins to put his heart into them and give them a vision for a lost world my God we need the power of the Holy Ghost this is God's Word he promises that he will pour out his spirit he says in verse 30 I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth and blood and fire pillars of smoke the Sun shall be turned into darkness And the moon and the blood before the great and the terrible day. The terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass. Look at this. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Oh, we need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We need an outpouring of the Spirit of God when men come onto the convicting power of the Spirit. When men and women down in the gutter of sin begin to feel the conviction of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. And out of the depths of darkness, they begin to call on the name of the Lord. He says, I will deliver them. I will deliver them. As Brent, when I was speaking to that girl just the other night, and just standing with that Sleep bag wrapped around her that hadn't been abused on the streets and abused her whole life. And she's standing telling her story and her wee cheeks, she's a rough and hardened face, but her wee cheeks are soaking wet with the tears that she's weeping. And she says in some way in the midst of her, of whatever she was on, she says, sometimes, sometimes in the middle of the night, I just cry out, is there a God? we told her there's a God, and there's a God that hears you. Land sleeping in Castle Court car park. But I tell you, it doesn't matter what gutter you're in. It doesn't matter how low you've gone. But when a man or a woman cries out from the gutter of sin, praise God, he delivers. Yeah. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, if you turn over for a moment, because this is the need, this is the great need of the hour. Acts chapter 2, and it tells us there, we've read it so often, we can quote it, and just again, and look at it afresh, it tells us this, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all but one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Every single person in that upper room was filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, friend, tonight. It doesn't take me long to work out that if the first first church needed the part of the Holy Ghost that faced the Roman Empire religious system and all the great scholars of the day if the first church needed the power of the Holy Ghost and the last church which I believe that's we are in, born into the kingdom for such a time as this and we are facing an antichrist world and we're facing the spirit of Jezebel and we're seeing the wickedness rise and the kingdoms fall and we know that the man of sin and we see the antichrist is a about to come. His platform's been built already, and he's about to step onto it. Now, I tell you, friend, if a first church needed the Holy Ghost, how much more do we need it? How much more? How much more? But thank God, the Word of God tells us clearly that in the last days, listen, if you turn down just the verse 14 in Acts chapter 2, Peter takes up the prophecy. Says these words, but Peter, look at it what happens when the Holy Ghost comes. Look at Peter, the denier. Look at Peter, the one that run away. Look at Peter that let the Lord down. Thank God he takes failures. Thank God he takes people that let the Lord down. Thanks, though know, the world will write you off and the church will write you off. But thanks God we've got a savior tonight that he doesn't write anybody off. He takes a Peter. And there he is now, a man that couldn't stand up with a maid that says you were with them. Couldn't stand for Christ. Didn't have a boldness. Wasn't able to make the stand for the Lord. But look what the power of the Holy Ghost does in a life. Peter stood up. He stood up, friends. And he lifted up his voice. There's the voice. And he said, you men of Judea. All ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. These men are not drunk, as ye suppose, seeing it's the third hour of the day. But, what does he say? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. We've just read it. And then he says these words. This is important to see this. He says in verse 17, And it shall come to pass, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Then he says these words, repeating from Joel. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. It's what happens when the Holy Ghost is poured out. Your young men, young men, are going to see visions. How we need the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'd want to pray for every young man in this room tonight. How I'd want to pray that you'd all receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I'd want to pray for every young woman in this place tonight has a heart after God, that you be full of the Holy Ghost and power. It says that you're old men. I would love to pray with every old man, whether you think you're old or not, I want to pray for you. That you're going to dream God's dream. And it tells us here, young men are going to see visions. And old men will dream dreams. And all my servants and all my handmaidens, he says, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and what will happen? And they shall prophesy. Well, I want to tell you something that's the note in Acts chapter 2. Many will say, Well, that was the prophecy of Joel. It was fulfilled. Some would say this it was all fulfilled there on the day of Pentecost, and we're broadly in now what is known as the last days. But you see, Peter's language is different. The word last days is the word that we get eschatology from, the Greek word. Eschatos is the Greek word. And we get then the the study of end times is eschatology. But you know, eschatos simply means this. It means in the last of the last days. In other words, in the final moments of the last days, God is going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And it's not that it was at the beginning, but it says right at the end of time, right when Christ is about to come, right when the rapture of the church is about to take place, Right when wickedness is at its highest. Right when the platform of the Antichrist is built. Right when the Babylonian system is about to take over the entire world. And it is. Right at that moment when we know that we're to look up for Christ is coming. In those days, the final moments is time. There's a promise in God's word. And it says, Jesus said, confirming it through Peter in his word. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There's a final outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I feel something way deep down in my spirit and something in my bones tonight. It could even happen here on Main Street, Hedge tonight. Because we're living in the last of the last days. That's the right way to put it. We're living in the last of the last days. We need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But there's a promise in the Word of God. And that promise is that He will do it. So what have we to do? I believe in all simple faith without any... Without any fancy, as we'd say, highfalutin language or words tonight, but get a hold of the promises, Emma, and say, Lord, you've said that in the last of the last days I've been born to the kingdom for such a time as this. I don't want to sit in the palace Like Esther did. But I tell you if I perish I perish. But I'm going into the king tonight. And I'm going to ask the king of kings. For the promise of God to be filled. I will pour out my spirit. Oh Lord I'm an empty vessel. Would you fill me? He will do it. He will do it. We're in the last days. He will pour out his spirit upon your sons. And your daughters. I tell you friends. This is where you need faith. This is where you need faith. When the promise is for your sons and your daughters. And friends, they might be far from God. Listen to me tonight, brother, now. They might be far from God, but it's a promise of God. To believe God, He'll pour out His Spirit on your son and your daughter. That requires faith because the natural man cannot conceive it. Young men are going to see visions. Oh, friends, I tell you, it seems that the days, it would seem that the days of which we often read about, of the Booths and, and, the, and the Wesleys and the, and the Whitfields and the Moravian and all the ones that we look at and the, and the, and the, and the, and the Evans and the young people of the Kells revival and the men and women that gathered in in the 19th it all seems like testimonies of a bygone age but I want to tell you friends there's a prophecy here that's going to bring all that back to the reality of today the outpouring of the Holy Ghost when young men again get a vision oh listen friends young people listen get a vision Oh, get a vision. Listen, get beyond the going through the motions, coming in and going out and feeling the fear of what men think and, and the fear of man that brings a snare. Don't get caught up in religious, uh, just rhetoric. Don't get caught up and go through the motions. Don't get caught up in the fear and tradition of men. Listen, God wants to give you a vision tonight. It happens with the power of the Holy Ghost. It happens when God apprehends you and your eyes are anointed and you get a vision and you run with a vision. That's what happens when God pours out His Spirit. There is a very potent opposition to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Some might feel this is too far, but I don't think It's far enough, and I want to pull it out a wee bit tonight and show you it. The prophetic outpouring and the voice that God wants to put into the lives of men and women and young people in this room. What a time this morning to see those lives respond and to see that heart turn to God. But I want to tell you, I want you to know this there is a very potent opposition against that. It tells us. In 1 Kings chapter 18, if you turn over for a second, I want to show you it in Scripture. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we live in a very respectable society. We live in a very respectable church age. So respectable that the subtlety of demonic activity has nearly been wiped out from our Western mindset. But I want to tell you that devil's is real real and balling a hinge as he is out in the middle of India. He's as real tonight as he is here in this country, Balnehage or Belfast, or anywhere else as he is in the streets of Bombay. It's just we get it all wrapped up here in a nice picture, have a lot of medical terms that we put upon it, and we cover it all up with respectability and medical terms, but I want to tell you, it's just demonic. That's what it is. We find out here in 1 Kings chapter 18. This is a great revival chapter. In 1 Kings 18 verse 1 it says, It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year to show himself unto Ahab. And I will send rain on the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. And there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of the house. Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets, hid them in, hid them by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and fed them with water. Friends, this is the reality of the hour that we are actually living in. We see a spiritual famine that has gripped the nations. We see an opposition to the prophetic voice here in this scripture. Who was it to cut off the prophets? It was Jezebel. Jezebel cut off the prophetic voice. A hundred prophets, God-fearing men, were put into caves. And there was a man here, seems such a precious saint of God, called Obadiah, who feared the Lord greatly. He was the governor. He was someone in position, but he feared God. And so at this time when prophets were hiding in caves because Jezebel was cutting them off and they were being martyred for the faith, Obadiah very simply fed these men to keep them alive. They were right down to the very basic needs of life just to try and survive. The tragedy of the day was that Israel were completely happy with the way things were. You know, that verse where it says that they were at ease in Zion, there was just a place where they were unmoved. It didn't really matter what was going on. You remember the story, Elijah saying, "A Baal is Baal, then you serve him. Of God's God, you serve him. And all of Israel didn't answer him. And he says, why are you halting between two opinions? And you always remember that that simply means they had no ability to make a choice. They became so impotent that they couldn't actually make a choice. They were just happy with the way things were. we not being too critical tonight. It seems that most, most people in the church are just happy to sail along. Happy just to go along with the flow. Happy just to go along with it. And yet in all of that, there there is a very potent spirit that's behind it. It's not people, it's a spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? The devil wants us to get focused on personalities and people, but it is a spirit that's behind it. And so the church at that time was very like the church of our day, very like what the Bible tells us concerning the last day church, the Laodicean age that are lukewarm, They're neither hot, they're neither cold. They're rich, they're increased with goods. They don't need anything. They don't recognize their spiritual condition. And there's a very potent spirit that's at work. Elijah is seeking to do the will of God. The prophets are hiding in the cave, but Jezebel opposes it all. If you turn up into uh, verse 17, there's this meeting. It's one of those unique meetings in Scripture, just... It's very interesting, but you'd love to be uh, just there in the midst of it. It says that Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Isn't that what they say? I'd love to just be at that encounter between the prophet and the king. But yet it seems, Luke, the one that was the troublemaker is the one that had the answer. He said, I have not troubled Israel, but you have in thy father's house, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Balaam. The trouble today, friends, in the nation, is because the nation and many in the nation have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. That's why we're in trouble. But you know what they'll say? They'll say, I tell you that fella Stevie Nixon, He's a troublemaker. They'll say, see that fella Ronnie? He's a troublemaker. See that fella Brown on it? They're troublemakers in that church. They want to serve God. They want to stand for righteousness. See that big lad, Hassan? He's a troublemaker. Don't want to leave anybody out. Anyone else want to be a troublemaker? Be a troublemaker for Jesus. Yeah. See, the trouble really is, friends, that they are forsaken the commandments of the Lord. That's the trouble. That's really where the root of it all is. They have forsaken the Lord. We have forsaken Him. And now we're about to witness here in chapter 18 a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Beloved, I love reading these chapters. It happened. It was real. We see Elijah and the prophets of Baal and all their activity. And they're calling out to God, but their God didn't answer why. They're serving a God that's dead. We serve the living God. And Elijah repairs the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And he calls upon the Lord. Let the God that answers by fire. Let him be God and let him come. And the fire fell. Oh, heaven, need the fire. Need the fire to burn it all up. And all the people of Israel, when they've seen the power, they've seen the reality. They've seen the presence. They've seen the glory of God. Do you know those people that couldn't make a decision? i tell you is what I pray for the church at large. That the presence of God would so come mightily into the sanctuaries all across this nation. And the church would fall in its face and say like they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. That's my prayer. That the presence and the power of God would fall so mightily. That God. People, the people of God would get back on their faces and cry out to God and acknowledge Him that He's the Lord. What a wonderful outpouring of the Spirit of God. But look, if you turn to the next chapter, there's what I want to show you tonight. Is I, want to, I want to identify it because I, I do believe this. I believe that the response this morning that was visible and all the responses that was in hearts. I want to tell you something I believe by the end of this day that the devil will be so busy to steal what God was putting in your heart this morning. He wants to. You want to. I felt it so strong at the end of that service this morning that before some were going to get out that door, if you didn't start to make the decisions that you need to make, you put that decision off in a couple of days' time. It will just be like another service you've attended. And the moment and the pressing and the glory and the impartation of this power of God will have just eased off because we fall back in to just the rut of where we were. Now I want to tell you what it is. It's a potent spirit of Jezebel that's opposing the purpose and the plan of God in your life. You might say, well, I'm not sure whether I can go along with that. I want to show you a man, one of the great prophets, Elijah, of course. You remember this, he was a man of like passions. You know what that means, James? He's just like you and me. He wasn't a superman. He wasn't, Neil, he wasn't this, this great guy, just a different head and shoulder. He was just an ordinary, as you say, just an ordinary guy. But he had a heart for God and he had the power of the Holy Ghost. And look, you're going to see the human side of him here. 1 Kings 19, verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And then it says, verse 2, that then Jezebel sent a message unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And you would think then, but we know the story, but you would think that this great prophet of the Lord that has prayed and stopped the heavens and the rains come, that has repaired the altar of the Lord, seen a revival in Israel, slain the prophets of Baal, you would think and I would think that the next thing that happens is that Elijah stands up in the Holy Ghost boldness and power And he points out his finger at Jezebel and says, In the name of Jesus Christ, you be gone. I have the authority over you. I have the authority of heaven. I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe in the victory of the cross. I believe there's victory for me. Hallelujah. He's a great deliverer. The Bible tells us something completely different. It says in verse 3 that when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life. He arose and went for his life. He came to Beersheba that belongeth to Judea, left his servant. Verse 4 He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat under a juniper tree, and said, Lord, listen, I think I've had about enough of this. Have you ever felt like giving up? Three, what's happened? <laughs> Have you ever felt like saying someday, oh God, I don't know whether I can keep going. I'll be a bit lighter on it in case you feel, if I say I've given up, like I don't mean it that way. Have you ever felt that you've got to a point where, oh God, this is Elijah. He's now sitting under a juniper tree and he said, look, he requested for himself that he might die. He said, it is enough now. Oh Lord, take away my life. For I am not better than my fathers. Do you see the effect of Jezebel? I'll tell you a few things about the spirit of Jezebel. I've heard a lot of junk about Jezebel, but I want to tell you it's a spirit. And it's a spirit that's actually operative today. Here's the first thing about the spirit of Jezebel. There's a potent fear. And I want to tell you something, fear, the spirit of fear comes from the spirit of Jezebel. I want to ask you a question, I want you to be honest, you don't have to shout it out, just how many times have you sat in a meeting and you feel that you should pray and you wanted to pray, but something's stopping you from praying? Anybody ever been there? Now be honest, I think everyone's been there. What is that? Is that just you? Is that just... I want to tell you, there is a potent Jezebel spirit at work, and it's fear. It's to stop you from functioning into the purpose and the plan of God, and it's real. You hear me, friend? It's real. Our prayer meetings, every prayer meeting, every single prayer meeting we have, do you know what it should be? It should be a prayer meeting. That nearly every voice in this house is praying, praising, seeking, glorifying on their face. Praying through, believing God, crying out to God on our faces, at the altar, at the chair, wherever it may be. This place should be alive. It should be full. It should be a cry. There should be an earnest. There should be an effectual, fervent prayer. Why is that not happening? Why is it not? I tell you why it's not happening because there's a potent spiritual opposition, and it is a Jezebel spirit. Now let me tell you. I want you to hear me very carefully. It is not a person. It is a spirit. Do you understand? The churches played games with trying to oh, there's one, there's one, there's one, and everyone's a Jezebel. Listen, it is a spirit. That comes to thwart the purpose and the plan of God. The second thing that will come with that fear. It's connected very closely to it. But it's intimidation. To intimidate. I want to tell you friends. If I could. I can nearly sometimes. put my hand out. I could touch that spirit. I can touch it when I go out onto the street. spicy today. When I walk up this main street in Balnehenge. There are sometimes. It's actually, I'm not trying to be over spiritual. It's not that I'm saying that demons are climbing out of the wall or anything like that. I'm saying spiritually there's a sense, there is a real tangible sense of an intimidation against the church of Jesus Christ. What does it want to do? It wants the church to be silent. That's what it wants to do. What is it? It's the spirit of Jezebel. And the last thing, the last thing that this spirit, that I believe any way that it will do, this spirit will bring confusion, mass confusion, intimidation, fear, and confusion. Can I ask ask all the believers in this room, have you ever experienced that? Would you say amen if you have? We all have. The thing about where we are right now is there is an intensity... There is an intensity, there's a rising up of the spirit of Jezebel against the church of Jesus Christ to thwart the purpose and the plan of God. Now, listen for those that stood, for those that came, for those that said this morning, I want to stand, I want the purposes of God, I want them. I tell you, the answer to all of this is not us doing something in our strength. The answer to it all is for everyone to be touched by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the answer. You see, the devil's salt. Nobody's done in times past. He's trying to get people then to work out who has the Jezebel spirit. Brent, you look like you have it. Brent's got it. Tim's got it. She's got it. He's got it. And then the confusion comes. It's nothing to do with God's people when they're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and they're born of the Spirit. And the confusion comes. Let me tell you what it is, friends. There's a spirit that's working. And the answer to that spirit, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against them. And there's victory in Jesus, but we need the power of the Holy Ghost. You might say, well, Tim, you're pulling a lot out of Scripture there. That's the Old Testament. Let me tell you, I can teach you tonight, Scripture after Scripture. This runs right through the history of faith. Jesus himself faced the spirit of Jezebel. It doesn't explicitly say it was the spirit of Jezebel, but the characteristics were the same. In other words, you know, if a thief breaks into the house and bailing the hinge, and then there's another house broke into, and another house broke into, they'll go to that house, the forensics will come out, they'll have a look around, well, this fella get in there through the kitchen window, go to the next house, where did he get in? He gets through the kitchen window, it's the same thief, he's coming in the same way, so you know who it is. Isn't that true? Jesus found it in John chapter 5. That man, that impotent man, had no one to help him. The water was troubled and the Lord wonderfully healed him on that day. And it tells us there, after he healed him in verse 16, therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. And nobody said, he said, listen, he said, my father worketh hitherto and I've got a work to do. I want to do God's work. It was the same for the church in Acts chapter 4 when they beat them and said that you cannot speak in this name. And they said, but we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. They wanted to stop what God was doing. The spirit that's going to oppose you. You've got to make a very clear choice in this room tonight. You've got, you've got to set this... Listen... I, know, I just feel it so strong. Uh, from this morning, from the end of the service, I felt it pressing and pressing and pressing. I knew it was coming to the meeting tonight. I was going, Oh God, sometimes Sunday nights everyone's tired. Some people fall asleep and everything else. And, and it's nearly like, Well, it's Sunday night and everyone's thinking about Monday morning, getting home and getting, I understand that, get the kids to bed and everyone get to supper and it's all a whole rigmarole. I said, but God, we can't miss this opportunity. When God's calling, when God's speaking, when God's saying, I want you to come, I want you to give, I want you to surrender, I want you to lay all of that life on that altar. And I want to empower you with the Holy Ghost. We need the power of God. We need the power of God. I need the power of God. We need a touch from heaven tonight. What does it take? It takes men... And women and young people not to be overtaken by that spirit of Jezebel. Fear, intimidation, and confusion. It's potent. What must I do, Tim? I want to tell you something. What I've learned, and many of the older ones will tell you, very, very clearly and better than me, I'm sure. But when God, the Holy Spirit, begins to probe that heart, Begins to draw that life out. Begins to show you and call you. And you in your heart are saying, I'll say yes to Jesus. I want to tell you something. You've got to step out into that. You can stay in the boat. But there was a Peter. I love Peter. He did get it all wrong, but something about him we love, isn't it? He didn't get it all right. He did have a terrible case of foot and mouth, but I still love him. Because his heart was, Oh God, I want to be with you. He's walking on the water. I want to walk in the water too. Know everyone else? Everyone else was saying, sit down. Don't get up, don't move. But he's the only other man outside of Christ that walked in the water. I tell you, I'd rather try it and sink and everyone say whatever, but at least he got out. Amen. At least he done something at least he rose up and said, Lord, I'm coming. And he could still say after all those years, hey, fellas, maybe he didn't say it, but I think he might have. That was a great walk in the water. (laughs) That was a great walk in the water. I want to tell you, God wants some people to walk in the water with him. He wants you to get out. He wants you to get out of where you are. He wants you to Repent of the wrong choices you've made. I tell you, friends, if I could tell you I could write a book on wrong choices, I could write a book on it. But I do know one thing. Once you begin to repent and make the right choices, all of a sudden the blessing of the Lord begins to fall on your life. All of a sudden it seems as though that barrenness becomes fresh. The flowers are blooming, the sun is shining, and now you're walking with him. And thank God you feel the heat in your back. You know what it's like when you feel the heat in your back on a good warm day? Maybe in our few months, but you know what it's like? The wind of God begins to blow, and there's something now you're walking in the purpose and the plan of God. And you go, Oh God, this is what I was born for. God's saying tonight, friends, listen, young people, I'm closing. Older men, younger men, older women, younger women. We need the power of God. You must step out. God knows your heart. God knows the sincerity of your heart. God knows it, friend. I don't know it. You don't know mine, but God knows our hearts. And if in the sincerity of your heart tonight, you're saying, oh God, I stood this morning and I know, you know, listen, let me tell you something. You don't need, I say this reverently, but you don't need a pastor, a friend, someone sitting beside you to come and tell you this is what you should be doing. Do you want to know why? Because if you're saved, you've got the Holy Ghost and He's my teacher. I'm not saying we don't need each other, I'm not saying we don't need counsel, I'm not saying we don't need to be subject to one another, I'm not saying there shouldn't be authority. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is if God, the Holy Ghost, is in you, and you're willing to talk and listen to Him. He's going to show you exactly what you need to do. He's going to show you exactly what you need to do. What relationships you need to sort out. He's going to show you exactly what things you need to sort out in your life and in your home. He's going to show you what you need to sort out in your marriage. He's going to show you. I tell your friends, when He comes, it's the goodness of God that brings us a man to repentance. And then the blessing of the Lord comes. And the power of the Holy Ghost. I will, I will, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. I will. What must you do in that heart if it's sincere? I want to tell you, friend, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need the filling. You need the filling of the Holy Ghost. Listen, young people, kids, kids, listen, kids, right down to the wee ones. I tell you what you need for this day. You need the filling of the Holy Ghost. How are they going to stand? I heard many saying, What about our kids growing up in this world? I agree with you. What about our kids growing up in this world? But I'll tell you one thing Christ has paid it all, and the Holy Ghost is more than enough to reveal everything of what He's done that our kids can stand in this generation. But they haven't seen it in us. And so they want to see that reality, and they'll come. We need the power of God. I believe there's a corporate amen to that. I believe that's what you want. I know that's the heart of this work. We need the power of God. We need these kids to see what it is. To see it. To see the fire. To see the power. To see the reality of God. That they lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Who has qualified for that? Believers! That's what it says. That they do it. Tell your friend tonight, God's touching your heart. You need to step into it. You need to step out. You need to step out tonight. You need to make a step. I believe in this. I can take you to points in my life, and there's others can share the same. I can take you to key places and points in my life. I can take you to altars, places where I knelt. I can take you to the spots on a carpet, in rooms where I have knelt and I have met with God. I can take you to the very place where I broke before God and God came and filled me with the Holy Ghost and give vision for the next step. I can take you to their markers in this life. I haven't always walked in it and sometimes I didn't do it the right way. But I know in the mercy of God that God lifts us up and points us when we have a heart toward Him. And this could be a spot This could be a landmark in your life tonight if you just say this, Lord, I'm laying this life down. I'm giving you it, but would you fill me? Remember, he is, he is, Jesus is, the baptizer and the Holy Ghost. So what should you do? Listen, this is so important. And I know already the spirit is against this. It's a spirit of intimidation, fear. It's a Jezebel spirit. It's against this. What should you do? We need to know what it is to really praise the Lord. Do you know, in meetings years ago, I watched some old Pentecostal meetings. They knew what it was to have a spiritual sense of praise and adoration of Jesus and the waves of the Holy Ghost that swept over those meetings. Mom, when they praised the Lord, the power of the Holy Ghost swept in over those old meetings. Why they were caught up with Jesus. When you get caught up with him, I want you to what? Listen, lift those hands. These hands, the Bible says the lifting up of hands are like the evening sacrifice. The Bible says that, that we, we should all, holy men, should lift up their hands and pray. The Bible tells us that, that we're to praise the Lord. When we have breath, to praise the Lord. Now it's not about. O'Greedy says, or Simon says, or whatever. It's a heart that's saying, "Oh God, I'm going to step out tonight and praise you. But Lord, would you fill my mouth? Would you fill my life with the Holy Ghost? as a boldness to say, God, I'm here, but I'm going to give you this life. Step into it, friend. Don't hold back. This could be a marker in your life of faith. God begins to unfold as you walk in the revelation of it, exactly what He wants you to do. But He's just calling those lives tonight. Would you come? Let's pray together. Wonder could we all stand tonight? Amen. Thank you, Jesus.